Welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he is doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Says this, when Abraham was 99 years old, that first statement is like, gosh, brother was old. When he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father. Somebody say father Father. of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Somebody say name change. change. Anybody in here, you got, you got like your rapper name. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like you, you got, you know, you got the name that your mama named you, but then you got like your street name. (laughs) Any pinkies in here? uh, What what, what was the, uh, they call me Rusty. Rusty was my, uh, was my, my rapper name. I'm not going to tell y'all why, but uh, actually back when they were actually, everybody had to little rap over, come out. I was lyrical fire. Lyrical Fire was my, uh, was my rapper name. Should I spit something? No, I'm just going to keep reading the Bible. I can do this. That other stuff, not so much. So your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you. Kings shall come from you. Verse 15, then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Somebody say mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Father God, we're just grateful. God, that you're a God that changes names. Once our name was liar, now our name is redeemed. Once our name was broken, now our name is whole. Father God, we're grateful that you don't call us by our worst mistakes, but you call us by your grace and your mercy that you've placed on us. God, we pray that some renaming would go on today. God, that you would take names of discouragement and doubt and death and fear and depression. And God, you'd replace it with names of joy and purpose and vision and destiny. And God, we will be ever so careful to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Before you sit down, high five two people. Ask somebody what your name is. Come on, ask somebody, ask somebody, ask somebody. Ask somebody. What you, what you, what your name is? We are in week four of a series that we've been unpacking called Now Faith. Has anybody been blessed by this series? Has this not been, anybody a little bit shocked that there's this much to faith? 
It's like, boy, there's a lot going on with this whole faith thing. We started out talking about what faith is. Faith is believing that God can, that he cares, and that he actually will. And that last part, believing that he actually wills, that's where the, that's where the trouble comes in. Because I know that he's able, and I know that he cares. I learned that in Sunday school. He got the whole world in his hands. But will he? The second week, we talked about how to be sure, how to be certain that God not just able, but that he will actually do what he said he's going to do. We talked about having two or three confirmations. Please don't stand up in church and say, the Lord told you this is my wife or this is my husband. Unless you have more than one confirmation and it can't come for you or your crazy friend. It has to actually be somebody that can hear from God. And then last week we talked about just because God said yes and you've extended your faith doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. That we live in, and this one really just hit my heart. People don't realize how much we live in a spiritual battle. Uh, many of you may know that there was a public figure, uh, Nipsey, that lost his life this year. And uh, I was sitting in, in my therapist's office, I mean the barbershop, uh, <laughs> where I do all my therapy. And, and you know, they, they figured out I'm a pastor and they're actually, some of them are coming to church. They're good friends of mine. And they said, tell me about Nipsey. Do you think his death was God's will? You know, do you think God called him home? I said, absolutely not. Because God says, with long life. I will satisfy you. At 33 years old, that's not long life, and that's not job, that's not finished. God had more for him. They said, well, what do you think happened? I said, I think the enemy attacked him. We don't realize that we don't just live in this spiritual incubator where there's good and there's no evil. Like, there is evil, and unfortunately, sometimes evil wins. And it's so important for us to understand that God said yes and we've extended our faith, but we have to go to war against the enemy so that the yes that God promised us will come to pass on earth. That's what Jesus meant when he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's already been decided in heaven. Your healing is already yes in heaven. Your breakthrough is already yes in heaven. All that you need is already yes in heaven. But it takes our faith to say the enemy's not going to block it. I'm going to allow God to bring it to pass here on earth. Probably the best date me and my wife had ever been on, and she's sitting here, so maybe she can confirm this. It was probably about two or three years ago. Uh, we went down to D.C., and we were getting something to eat, and we said, hey, they had the little rent-a-bikes. This is before the little scooters were like a deal, actually. They made you work out. And I said, hey, let's rent one of those dollar bikes, and let's ride from like the Lincoln Memorial to the Washington Monument. And she looked at me, and I looked at her, and she's like, I don't know if I remember how to ride a bike. And I said, oh, come on. It's like walking. Uh, y'all don't notice, but y'all nearly lost the pastor. Uh, Destiny Church was about to be a pastorless church. We nearly got hit by a bus. We ran over a tourist. Like, we were out there struggling and wobbling because I had been on a bike in like 15 years. But after about five, ten minutes, we kind of figured it out. We were doing a little annoying bell, and we kind of were rocking and rolling because riding a bike is one of those things that is complicated when you're three, four, five, and six. Anybody remember learning to ride a bike? Am I the only Y'all remember riding a bike, but you know how to work the brakes? So the brakes was the neighbor's lawn. Like, you know, you just tell you to slow down, and it's just like. <laughs> and then you just follow the guy. They teach me how to stop. They just taught me how to go. It's been that way my whole life. But anyway. <laughs> but it's kind of like one of those things that's super complicated to figure out in the beginning. But once you got it, it's muscle memory, and you can't forget. Faith is the same way. 
Faith is one of those things that, man, it, it's complicated. You mean I can't just pray and wait, that I actually have to engage in warfare and get confirmation and all this other kind of stuff? That's why Paul said, work your faith. Look at somebody next to you and say, work your faith. Work your faith, he said, with fear and trembling. You're not always going to get it right. You're going to believe God for a job, and it's not going to happen, and you're going to get mad and all this other kind of stuff. But work your faith, because when you figure it out, it will be the most valuable thing that you possess. Somebody say amen. So what I want to teach you today is what I call the finish line of faith, the finish line of faith. And I'll say it throughout the entire message, but this is step four, not step one. So if you try this in the beginning, you're going to wreck, and it's not going to be in the grass. It's going to be on somebody's sidewalk. Uh, but let's get into it. James chapter 2, verse 14, it says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now, I don't know if the Bible is as ignorant as I think it is or if it's just that I'm ignorant and I read it through my ignorant uh, lens. But James was the brother of Jesus, and this guy was sarcastic. He's like, but, but what, 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 he said, what is good, my brothers, if someone has faith but does not have work? Watch it. He said, can that faith save him? He said, you ain't a Christian. He goes on to say, hey, I believe in Jesus. So what? Demons believe in Jesus. He said, and they even tremble. Every time I read that verse, it makes me think of Lion King. Y'all remember when they said, Mufasa. Ooh. <laughs> he said, that's what demons say, Jesus. Ooh. He said, even demons believe in Jesus, and they tremble. That's not enough. goes on in verse 18, it says this, but someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I believe in Jesus. How? Well, I go to church. And I will show you my faith by my works. Verse 21 says this, was not Abraham, his rapper name, our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Now, let me catch you up with this. Abraham, and we'll talk about it, waited 25 years for his first son from his wife. And, and God says, I'm not just going to give you a son. I'm going to make that son an entire nation. So when his son turned 12 years old, God says, great, take that son that's going to turn into an entire nation, bring him up on this mountain and sacrifice him. Kill your son. Now, for some of us with, like, babies and all that, that sounds horrific. But everybody in here with a teenager, you're like, yep, I'll kill him. God, ain't, ain't, ain't God tell me twice, God. i definitely sacrifice this joker. <laughs> but he said he took him up, and he was getting ready to kill him. He heard a second word from God. God said, no, don't do it. There's a ram in the bush. But this is what James is saying. I'll actually read. He said, you see that faith, faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his work. He said, oh my goodness. He said the fact that he was willing to obey God, even though his obedience looked like it would mess up what God's promise, was proof that he believed God over everything. Isn't it amazing how, oh, can I, can I get in trouble? How we'll pray to God for something and then try to protect what we prayed to God for from God. You'll pray to God for a relationship, and then when he brings it, you won't let him get involved. Huh? You pray to God for a new job, and then when that paycheck comes, you won't let him tell you how to spend it. And, yo, this is a crowd right here. Ooh. It's like that rapper battle. And then he said, oh. 
But he said his faith was proven by the fact that he was willing to obey. I'll read it in a different way. James 2.22 in the New King James says this. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. Can we talk about perfection for a second? That Popeye's chicken sandwich. No, I'm not going to lie. I was like, this is hype, this is foolishness, all the kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, who posts about their, their fast food and lunch, right? Everybody posts online. You know me. I'm too cool to be all up in this fad and stuff. So I was like, I ain't got time for that. Then I went on Friday, and the line was wrapped around the building. And I was like, okay, we got to check this. We got to check this out. You know, I mean, I stayed in line for like three minutes. I'm like, we don't got, we don't got no chicken. I'm like, you Popeyes. What do you mean we don't got no chicken? <laughs> By the way, Chick-fil-A ain't never ran out of chicken. I'm just saying. Because we serve a God that does exceeding and above. My Jesus don't run out of chicken. I'm just saying. You ain't never went to Jesus. He said, I don't got no chicken. That only happened at Popeye's. <laughs> but I finally get my sandwich. I actually went in there yesterday. I waited for like 30 minutes. Yo, it was like a connect group up in Popeye's. Like Destiny Church members just walked. What's up, Pastor? What's up, Pastor? I said, how you going? You can't cut in front of me, though. Back to the line. Back to the line. <laughs> Back to like, we're laughing, we're joking. People came in, they're like, oh, I'm not waiting. It's like, oh, come on, man. You don't got nothing better to do than wait 45 minutes on a Saturday for a chicken sandwich. Like, that's, that's where our life is. <laughs> Finally get my chicken sandwich. Which one? Obviously the spicy one. I'm Caribbean. I don't do classic. <laughs> but I'm sitting in my car. My wife is there. And I, and I take a bite into this sandwich. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. <laughs> He said, it is finished. Now, I'm a Chick-fil-A disciple. I believe them. I love them and all that kind of stuff. And from here on out, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A, steal their sauces, and go to Popeye's and get a real thing. <laughs> it's no competition. If you haven't had both yet, don't even waste your time. I'll just tell you, it's Popeye's all the way. And here's why. Because Popeye's sandwich is finished. Like, you go to Chick-fil-A, come on now, nine out of ten times you go to Chick-fil-A, like, nine times it's going to be a good sandwich. That tenth time drink will be soggy. Like, the crust is a little, it's, it's not crusty anymore. You bite anything, the, the chicken bleeding. You're just like, what, what is this, medium rare? What? <laughs> so here's my whole preacher point. A Chick-fil-A sandwich is faith with no works. Popeye's is faith with the works. <laughs> James said, your faith without any action is dead. It's obsolete. It's not actually faith at all. He said, faith is only faith when there's some action to back it up. We, we get caught up sometimes on, on words in the Bible because we have our English interpretation of it. That word perfect means without flaw in the English, but in the original Greek, it means fully mature, grown up. Can I, can I say fully cooked? I'm just saying, <laughs> your faith is fully cooked when you're willing to back it up with some actions. Now, we all understand this in certain contexts, but we don't spread it across our entire lives. Can I tell you the context in which we do understand it in? Uh, I'm believing God for a new job. I I'm believing God for a new job. Plus God, he's able to do that. He says he opens doors, no man can shut, he shuts the door, no man can open. Uh, uh, where have you applied to? I'm not, I'm not, oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm not, I'm not applying anywhere because I serve a supernatural God. 
He is able. I will not use these Babylonian systems. <laughs> I'm just waiting for God to provide my job. Okay, okay, how's your resume? Have you, have you brushed it up in the last century? Or, I don't have a resume. You see, resumes are what humans and natural people who have no faith use. I don't need no resume. I got God. Oh, you have God, you ain't going to have no job, though. Because <laughs> you're not putting any action out. <sighs> Believe in God for a healing. Great. Have you gone to the doctor? Hmm? Have you asked them? I'm believing God for a financial breakthrough. Great. Have you written a budget? Huh? Like, like, in, uh, <laughs> James is saying, if you don't back up what you're believing God for with some action, your faith is half cooked and it will not produce anything in your life. So I want to give you just three points, three points of what action should I take? What action should I take to activate my faith? The first thing is this, point number one, you'll never see what you don't say. You will never see what you do not say. So picture this. Abraham lived 75 years with no children. The word Abram means father. It is one thing to live your life with an expectation that is never met. It is a completely different story to live your life with an expectation that everybody else has of you and not being able to live up to that expectation. From the day that he was born, Abram's dad told him, you're going to be a father. And his entire life, he can never live up to his dad's expectations. You don't know what it's like to disappoint people. People that have sacrificed for you, have loved you, have encouraged you. Only thing you can't do is make them happy. Here is Abram going about his life, minding his business, trying to see when God's going to move. And at 75, God comes to Abram and he says, I am going to make you a father of many nations. I am going to make sure that this comes to pass. And for 24 years, nothing. Huh, can we read the Bible for a second? You know that, that dumb saying people say, he may not come when you want him. But he's always on time. That's not true. He was 24 years late. <laughs> always on time. That's what you say when you're late. I, you know, I came at the right time. No, no, the appointment was at 3 o'clock. It's 325 and you're not here. No, 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 no. He made him a promise and for 24 years it never came to pass. 24 years later, God comes to Abram and he says, I'm not going to do it yet, but I'm going to change your name. Your name is no longer Abram, it is now Abraham. And your wife's name is no longer Sarai, it's now Sarah. Abram means father. Abraham means father of nations. He upped the ante. Sarai means princess. Sarah means mother of nations. So picture this. You have Abraham and Sarah are at Wegmans. They don't go Whole Foods. They do Wegmans. And they're shopping, right? And Sarah says, hey, father of many nations, did you grab the cantaloupe yet? And Abraham says, hey, mother of nations, you know I'm a watermelon man. I don't do cantaloupe. Can you imagine what everybody in the community was saying about them? Yo, they lost it. They're crazy. They are local. 
They don't got no kids talking about father of many nations. And then you know how you women be. How could Abraham call her mother of many nations? Knowing she don't got no kids, just throwing it up in her face, humiliating her. Men are so insensitive. What is wrong? Huh? Y'all don't be like that. Yes, y'all do. They're going around saying, I have nations for children. They got none. I'm a mother of nations. Why would God put them through that humiliation? Why would God make them say something that everybody knew wasn't true? Because God understood what neurologists have also found out, that your words dictate your life. Science will tell you that your speech center of your body is actually the center point of the entire nervous system in your body. So as you speak, your body responds. So when you say, man, I'm tired, guess what? All your muscles relax. Because your muscles heard you command your body that it's time to relax. Your, your words dictate your future. Neurologists just found out what God's word said from the beginning in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the... And those who love it will eat its fruit. What comes out of your mouth dictates your life. That's why you should never say, I'm retired. <laughs> you know what happens when you say, I'm retired? Your heart says, all right, I quit too. <laughs> then your kidney's like, boom. No, no, no. You need, <laughs> you need to say, I'm done working. I ain't retired. I ain't going nowhere. I'm still breathing. And God has a plan, a purpose, a destiny for my life. But don't trip. We ain't retired. We're still in this game. You, you may not realize the power that your tongue has. And here's why we don't realize it. Because God has more faith in you than you have in you. Yeah. One of the biggest struggles for us as humans is we think we're normal. And it has not clicked with us that God does not make normal. God is incapable of making normal. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, let us make man in our image. And then he gave you dominion over the earth. What does that mean? You have authority over your world. And because God respects authority, God will not break into your world as much as he wants to. He will not break into your world without you giving him permission through your words. Somebody say prove it. I love when y'all say that. Let's go here. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says this. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So watch this. Before God spoke, what was happening? Darkness. Wrong. <laughs> Before God spoke, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the darkness. The Holy Spirit was there, y'all. And guess what happened? Nothing. Did you catch it? The Holy Spirit was present and nothing happened. Oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Can I get myself in trouble? Can I get myself in trouble? Woo! The Spirit of God is in this place. So, ain't nothing going to happen. Not until someone says something. Yeah. Healing can hover over this room and nothing will happen until, it's not until God said, let there be light. Holy Spirit said, I know what to do now. That's my time. That's my moment because I respond to faith. Keep going. 
Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says this, For surely I say to you, whoever prays to this mountain. Y'all's all writing notes. Y'all missed the screen. Huh? Oh, let's have some fun. Whoever fasts to this mountain. Whoever believes to this mountain. No, 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 no. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. There's the face part. But believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Come on now, this is the Bible. The Bible didn't say you're going to have whatever you pray. It didn't have, say you're going to have whatever you, you, you believe. It said you're going to have whatever you whatever you say. Whatever you say. If you don't have the guts to say it, you won't have it. And one of the reasons why we don't say anything, oh, really is because we're afraid of what people are going to think about us. I won't look crazy. I ain't trying to be one of those super spiritual people all halfing and coughing and half dying talking about, I'm healed, I'm healed. No, no, you sick. No, I'm healed. By the blood, I'm healed. So, Pastor, how do, I, how do I navigate not being weird and being full of faith? First of all, don't worry about being weird. My favorite saying is only weird if it don't work. I'm going to splash oil. I'm going to march Jericho, march around my house. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. It's only weird if it don't work. But, hey, I'm not feeling well. God's healed me. I'm in debt, but God's already provided more than I need because he's promised it. And I am, what if God only did in your life what came out of your mouth? Would you want what you say? Because here's what we say. It says death and life is in the power of tongue. I think it puts death first because we speak more death than we speak life. We say stuff like my, base, my boss hates me. And are you surprised when they hate you? Huh? My husband is not sensitive. <laughs> Prophesied over that poor man's life. <laughs> he tried to be sensitive. You go breaking. Huh? Man, it's like I get paid, and then I never have anything left. I never have enough. Hmm? And then we wonder why our lives dictate the words that we... I had a friend that was telling me actually about this yesterday. They went into a job interview, and the, the people that were interviewing, they were going for a director position, and the people that were interviewing said, hey, so what would you do in this scenario? And they said, uh, do you mind if I call myself the director? Because it will be very easy for me to actually demonstrate to you what it would look like if I called myself the director. So they said, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Well, he said, well, as the director of this program, I would do this. And as the director of this program, I'd do that. And as the director of this program, I'd do this and I'd do that and do this and do that and do that. And you guys had no idea. This man was prophesying over the people that were interviewing what they were going to do. And you're like, ah, oh, I don't want to tell them because it's going to be weird. And then you wonder why it doesn't happen because it's your words. That gives God access to move in your life. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says this, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. What you believe is proved by what you say. If you're not willing to say it, you don't really believe it. Hmm? Second thing is this, you'll never see what you don't do. Not only will you not see what you don't say, but you won't see what you won't do. In Luke chapter 17, verse 12, it says this, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men 
who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was as they went. Somebody say as they went. They were cleansed. So there were these 10 lepers. And if you don't know anything about leprosy, leprosy was the most debilitating disease of that time. Leprosy was extremely uh, contagious. Your entire body broke down, and you were not allowed to be inside the city. You were separated from family. You were quarantined. You were an outcast. And what had happened was there was a leper that had come up to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. And the Bible says that Jesus not just healed him, but he stretched out his hand and he touched him. Nobody touched a leper. They were that contagious. And Jesus touched him, and he was healed. So as you can imagine, that story ricocheted throughout the entire community. Not only did Jesus touch a leper, but the leper was healed. So then there's these ten lepers that they come to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, don't come any further. Y'all missing this. Actually, don't come to me at all. Go show yourself to the priests. Can you imagine that walk? Jesus, he touched the other guy. He healed the other guy. Why won't he touch me? I mean, he, he spit in the mud and healed a blind man. But am I too sinful? Am I not good enough? Am I? Wait. Where's the? Where's the? Some miracles only happen as you go. We don't believe in God. We believe in a genie that you just rub the white way and just wait for him to drop a miracle in your lap. He said, no, 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 I'm going to do a miracle, but you have to take a step of faith. You got to bring some action to what you're believing me for. So here was the custom of that time. When you were a leper, before you were allowed back into the city, you had to go show yourself to the priest. The priest would look at your skin, make sure that you were healed, and then you had seven days to see if it came back. And then after the seven days, you were allowed back into the city. So when they came to Jesus and said, can you heal me? And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Jesus said, act like you're already healed. Do what you would do if you were healed. And as you do it, That's when the miracle would come. How would you act? Oh, I'm getting in trouble. How would you act if what you were believing God for was already done? Do that. How would you act if you had more money? You'd probably budget, right? You'd probably pay attention. You'd probably pay off debt. You'd probably be generous. So do that now. And watch, well, one of the things, if you don't know the story, I, play, I was pastor of the church single for two years, and, and my wife was, was serving, but we weren't dating, and I had just had this idea, I ain't dating any girls in the church, if I date a girl in church, and we break up, it'd be a church split, it's going to be a mess, so I'm just messing with none of them. And my wife, she'll, tell, she'll probably tell you a story better than I did, she said, I thought Stephen was, was like engaged to some missionary in Haiti or something like that, <laughs> because he carried himself as if he was married, even though he wasn't. None of the girls in the church had his number. If they wanted to contact him, they had to DM him through Twitter or whatever it may be. And she didn't know. I was acting like I was already having what I was believing God for because I understood that if I carried myself as if I was already there, that God was going to be able to respond. 
Some of y'all got to act. You, can I get myself in more trouble? If you had that job, you wouldn't be posting what you're posting on Instagram right now. So start posting as if you have some influence, as if people are watching, as if you're significant, and watch the way you act will follow with the reality. Huh? <laughs> you remember last week when I told you that the church we owned a building in Baltimore and we, we couldn't sell into the warfare and all that other kind of stuff? Well, if you weren't here from the beginning, what you will not know is we tried to sell that building before we launched the church. We inherited the building when we, when we took over the church and it was like, hey, this building is, we knew it was too small from day one. And we're like, we got to sell this building. But for four years, yo, we didn't even get an offer on this building. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I mean, it was packed out. They had like three, four, five services, making the poor preacher preach all these days. Preach another one, preach another one. There's more people, preach another one, preach another one. I'm tired, shut up, preach another one. <laughs> kind of feel like what's going on right now. But anyway, <laughs> four years, no offers. In the fourth year, we were at so many services, the building was now what was blocking our ability to reach more people. So here's what we said. We got together at trustee board. We said, you know what? Forget the building. If it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But we're not going to let a building block what God is going to do. We're going to move without the building selling. Y'all, do you understand as soon as we took a step of faith, we got an offer within three weeks and the building sold. God was just waiting for us to take a step of faith. Now hear me. Somebody say last step. This is the last step, not the first step. People get in trouble because they start blowing off at the mouth. God's going to. God never said that. Be quiet. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to quit my job because God's going to give me a new one. No, you keep your job until. God. <laughs> That's what I call presumptuous faith. That you presume that God's going to do something so you walk out reckless. I'm not saying you pick the step of faith. I'm saying you ask him. There's this phrase that they used to say, when God speaks, I will obey. Some of y'all struggle with the when God speaks part, like wait for him to speak. <laughs> Some of y'all struggle with the I will obey part. God spoke and you're just like, okay, do you really mean break up, break up? Do you mean take a break and come back in three months? What do you mean? Like we can still be friends. Wait for him to speak. Go through first three weeks. God, I'm going to build my faith. I'm going to submit my vision to you. I'm going to allow you to bring confirmation and peace. I'm going to run it by two or three witnesses. I'm going to go to war. And after I have a peace that this is yours, then I will speak. Then I will act. Here's what happens when you just act. You drown. Because you're talking about, well, you know, Peter walked on water, so God lets people walk on water. Well, Peter's the only one who walked on water because God told him to. Watch this. You remember when Moses took his staff and parted the Red Sea with it? Only time in Scripture that happened. Joshua coming after Moses. You know what God told Joshua? You don't get to do the little staff trick because you ain't Moses. You got to step in the Jordan before it's going to part. So what God did through a staff in one point, he did do a step in a few chapters later. Then you fast forward to this guy named Elisha. Elisha came to the same Jordan River that Joshua had stepped into and parted. And Elisha steps in, guess what happened? Nothing, because he did that once. He does not do it again. Elisha had to take Elijah's cloak, strike the water, and then it parted. Woo! We got a whole lot of copycat faith going on. 
Because we don't want to take the time to go to God and say, God, what would you have me do? What are you working out in my life? I'm so glad that's how they started their business. And I'm so glad that's how they found a woman. And I'm so glad that's how they got breakthrough. But that's what God did for them. And until you go to God and say, God, what are you doing in me? The last thing is this. The last thing is this. You will see what he says. One of the biggest things I want for you as a pastor is for you to fall in love with God's word. And if you're really going to fall in love with God's word, hear me, it's going to sound weird. You got to stop reading the Bible as a Christian and start reading it as a human. And when you read it as a human, it's going to blow your mind, y'all. Like we talk about Abraham full of faith. Oh, Abraham, y'all. He went 75 years of humiliation with a name that he could not live up to. God made him a promise and nothing happened. 75, no child. 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, no child. At 86, Abraham said, you know what, this ain't going to work. He went on spring break, met this girl named Hagar, got a little wild. He made himself an Ishmael, and he said, God, it's your prayer. And he said, no, 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 I, ain't, I don't bang with Ishmael. By the way, you just ruined the entire Middle East for all of history, but we'll talk about that later. That's not the promise. Back to the faith. 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 24 years. God said it, and he never saw it. Let me help somebody out in here who you're waiting a long time for what you believe God said yes to. If he said it, it will happen. Numbers 23, 19 says this, God isn't a man that he would lie or a human being that he would change his mind. He, has he ever spoken and not done it? Do you hear the sarcasm in this? Come on, it's God. Has he ever spoken and not done it? Or promise and not fulfilled it? One of, one of the church phrases I hate is, you know, when they talk about, you know, God, God is, uh, he, he's never on, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Not true. <laughs> he's late. <laughs> he's actually 24 years late. Because <laughs> he said he's going to do it now and he didn't do it now. You ever wondered why is it taking so long? Like, God, if you're able to heal, why'd you wait three months? Why'd you wait three years? God, if you're able to bring, why am I waiting so long? Well, it tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It's like he's just speaking to us. Wait, he is. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. And here's where the Bible calls you slow. As some understand slowness. He just threw that little barb in there. He said, you may think I'm slow just because you're human. Your brain don't work right. It's not actually slow. He said, instead, he is patient. God says, I'm not being slow. I'm being patient. Why? With you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What are you talking about? God is saying, I'm a kill two birds with one stone type of God. 
And I know all you want me to do is to heal your body and to be done with that, but that's just too simple for you, for me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up the healing so when you get healed, your whole family gets saved. I'm going to make sure that the miracle that you're believing God for, it doesn't just impact your life, but it impacts the kingdom of God. All you want is a job. You don't understand that I'm trying to save the entire department that you're going to be a part of, and I got to wait for the director to get out of the way so you could step in there and have the freedom to share the hope of Jesus Christ. Your miracle is connected to somebody's salvation. Hmm? God is like, listen, if you get it now, you'll be blessed and nobody else will. But if you will trust me to work out my plan, your miracle is going to resonate throughout history. So Abram, here's your choice. And here's the thing about God. He always gives us our choice afterwards. He doesn't actually tell us. But if we told Abram, he said, here's the choice. At 75, when I said it, you can have a kid, but it will never become a great nation as we know Israel, and no one will ever hear about you. Or you can wait 24 years for this miracle, but when it finally comes, you won't just have a normal son, but you're going to have a son that turns into a great nation, the people of God. And by the way, throughout history, in children, churches, everywhere, Abraham, they're going to be singing, Father Abraham have many sons, and many sons. Okay, y'all went to church. Watch this. The Bible now says that if you're a Christian, that you're a child of Abraham, that Abraham is the father of faith, and you are heirs entitled to the same. But God was saying, by you waiting, I'm going to bless billions of people. Here in our short-sightedness, we're just like, God, I just need a healing. I just need a breakthrough. I just need that fool to get their life together or whatever it may be. And God says, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it so much bigger than you could ever think. Trust me. Psalm 27, 13. This is for someone. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I love David. In the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. David said, I'm going to see the goodness of God. Listen, while I'm alive. Don't give me that foolishness about, you know, in the sweet by and by, one day when you die. No, 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 no. He, here, in the land of the living, I'm going to see the goodness of God. And I know it is worth the wait. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that all your promises are yes and amen. And God, I'm not going to lie. I feel like you're taking too long. But I know that your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts higher than my thoughts. And you are working it out for my good so that other people can come to know you. So God, in this moment, we say with our mouth. Come on, somebody open your mouth and say, God, I trust you. Say, God. I know you're in control. Thank you. Right where you are with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, this, this message personal to you. Maybe there's something you feel you've been waiting too long on, you've given up on it. 
Maybe you've extended your faith, but you haven't taken an action step or you're afraid to speak in faith. Or maybe you're in here and in your heart of hearts you know, I've never put my full weight, my full trust in God at all. You've seen time and time again God perform miracles in other people's lives. You've seen God transform people. You've seen God move. He's proven himself to you. It's now your turn to respond. Or maybe you're in here and you're a Christian, but you know that you're not pursuing God the way you ought. You're kind of half in it. He said, I've done so many miracles in your life. Why are you playing games? You know I have so much more for you. If that's you, Right now, this moment, it's your time to respond. I'm not going to have you stand up or come up front or walk the aisles. Right where you're sitting, though, if you say, I know I have not put my full faith in God or I've strayed from my commitment to God and I today want to respond and say, I trust you. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for pursuing me. And today... I surrender. I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I can be forgiven. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate? Can you go nuts? Can you thank God for every single person? Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.